Hello, and welcome back to the Daily Study of the Way of Mastery. I'm Jason Amoroso, your guide. I am excited and honored to be here today with you. We are on Lesson 4, Following the Thread of Desire. Section 2, we're starting, Desire is Everything. And Jeshua says, Take a moment right now and let the body relax. Imagine that you can move back from being the actor in the play of your life to being the director and the producer. You are sitting in your studio and you are editing the story of your life. You are looking at all your little clips of film, clips from the time you were birthed, the time you went to kindergarten, the time you first fell in love, the time you first decided to go to a movie, the time you went off to college, or the time you took a job, this job or that job, or the time you moved to another physical location. Look closely and see if it is not true that for every action you have ever done, for every decision you have ever made, after trying to analyze it all, is there not underneath it the energy of desire? In truth, you do not lift the body from your couch to go to the refrigerator without the desire to eat. Something calls you into an expression of action. It is desire. No one enters into an intimate relationship without the energy of desire. For what two have ever looked upon one another and said, I don't feel any desire whatsoever, but let's get married, have children, and raise a family? So before we're going to read one more paragraph, paragraph three, but we're going to pause. And anytime Jeshua gives us, gives me, I'll speak for myself, you can do what you want, gives me an exercise to do, I do it. I take it seriously. Like the, we're here for mastery. We're not here just to get the info and agree with it and feel good for a moment and keep reading and then not apply it to our life. So let's do the things that we're invited to do in this training. So if you want to pause the recording, I'll read it again, pause the recording after I'm done reading, and take a minute or two to do this process and be honest with yourself when you do it. Take a moment right now and let the body relax. Feel your shoulders relaxing. Feel your breath, deepen in your breath, breathing in and out through your nose. Feel your face, your cheeks, your jaw. Feel your hips and your pelvis relaxing, just feeling any tension, any tightness, any heaviness being held in the body, just draining out of you through the floor into Mother Earth where it's dissolved in love. Imagine that you can move back from being the actor in the play of your life to being the director and the producer. You are sitting in your studio and you are editing the story of your life. You are looking at all your little clips of film, clips from the time you were birthed, the time you went to kindergarten, the time you first fell in love, the time you first decided to go to a movie, the time you went off to college, or the time you took a job, this job or that job, or the time you moved to another physical location. Look closely. And see if it is not true that for every action you have ever done, for every decision you have ever made, after trying to analyze it all, is there not underneath it the energy of desire? So again, my uh, Scorpio, I feel like lawyer, 
skeptical brain is always trying to poke holes. And it's like, well, yeah, this is nice for the things that we want, but what about the things that we didn't want, right? So the first thing that popped into my head was when we were in our early early to mid-20s, we were probably 24, 25, we were graduating. I, I graduated law school. Moore was still at the end of her uh, chiropractic and acupuncture school, and I didn't have a job yet. And we were paying our rent. This was me. I was paying our rent with credit card, zero interest credit card checks. So irresponsible, but I was afraid at the time. And so I'm like, well, that was not like, hey, I want to do this. I want to pay my rent with credit card checks that like not that kind of a desire, but underneath it, like desire can be part of fear. I was, you know, afraid of being homeless or getting kicked out. Um, So I did what I needed to do or I thought I needed to do. So it's like even things that we do out of fear are from a desire from some level of desire. And again, if we go back to this idea that there are only calls for love and expressions of love, people do a lot of, let's say, out of integrity things that are probably from a desire to get love, to receive love, to be loved. But it's in like this backward way that they lash out at people or they steal from someone or whatever it is. Like notice the things that you've done out of fear. There's still some desire underneath it. The desire to avoid punishment, the desire to avoid being rejected. So it's still coming from a desire. So that kind of assuaged, if that's the right word, my skepticism about this whole idea. But look at your life and look at the clips, look at the things you've done. And there's probably some desire underneath it all. That's what Jeshua is saying. Because the title of this section is Desire is Everything. And by the way, side note, one of my favorite little movies about kind of like spirituality is Defending Your Life with Albert Brooks and Meryl Streep. It's just like a sweet little kind of love story, but also oh, kind of metaphysical. You know, he dies and goes to this, not heaven, but it's this really nice place where they review his life. And the decisions that he made and everybody that's in this place has kind of a life review. Um, And yeah, it's a really fun movie. I encourage you to check it out. I like it. Um, So Jesh was saying, look, look, underneath everything is the energy of desire. I can remember the moment. So Maura and I, my wife and I have been together since for the most part. We took a we took a little break of about a year and a half. But when we got together when I was 16, she was 17 uh, she was a senior. I was a junior in high school. And there was a, I always remember there was a day in concert choir class. I was sitting in the auditorium seats as it was the girls section. It was the time for the girls to practice their their song for the upcoming choir concert, whatever was happening. And I remember sitting with Tim Shelley and looking at the girls and scoping them out. And there was just something about Mora that I mean, something her her beauty and her her charisma or whatever was inside. It was like I'm attracted to her. Like there's something just beyond the hormones of a teenage boy <laughs> that that drew me to her. I will never forget that. I don't know if that's desire. Maybe on a deeper level of there's a desire to connect. Um, I'll never forget when we. We broke up. We were broken up for a year and a half. We got back together in like October-ish. And then 
after being broken up for a year and a half, we got back together in October. We saw we saw the movie Big Fish in like December or early January. And we parked in the garage of my apartment. And I remember like it was like a download. It was just like a direct knowing. We, I'm going to propose. I want to marry this 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 girl, this woman. I want to spend the rest of my life with her. I just knew it. Talk about desire. And then from that moment, I was on a mission to propose and plan the wedding and just everything. And it was from a – that it almost doesn't even feel like a desire. It felt like a, a calling, a, a compulsion in a way. It was like I, I have to do this. Um, and – but coming from I want to do this. So – those are some examples of <laughs> of desire in terms of uh, choosing uh, falling in love. But anyways, there's probably, I could probably tell you stories about all these things, but this is this would probably bore you. Think about your own life and the, and what has uh, infused you. Well, I'll tell one another one. Um, early in my working career, I was fortunate enough to start interning at the L.A. Dodgers when I was in law school, and I had a desire to be a GM. And, you know, one of these young Ivy League hotshot GMs. And so I worked my way through law school, interning, not really getting paid. All my friends are making like 10 G's over the summer. I'm making like 500 bucks. Uh, But it was what I wanted to do. I was always a follow your passion kind of guy, even if you didn't make any money at first because I knew it would pay off. And so when I graduated law school in May, there was no job for me because there's only so many positions in a major league baseball team. There's only 30 teams and I'm not like moving to Cincinnati. I'm, you know, I'm with Mora. We, we weren't, we were engaged at that point. You know, my life was there and, uh, I ended up getting the, you know, getting the job in November. So like being unemployed six months, that's when I was like paying our rent with credit card checks, but I got the job and it was my dream job. To, to work in baseball operations like I was I was in my mind on that track if I just stuck with it and learned and like I would be a GM one day and then more got pregnant in November so we got <laughs> so October of 2003 we got back together after being apart for a year and a half and then in February we got engaged in June we got married and in November I got my first job and we got pregnant and uh, at that point, I just started my, my job in baseball ops and I looked around and baseball is like a 24-7 job and career. Like if you want to be successful, you got to devote your life to it. It's not just during the season in the summer and the off season. It's just as busy, if not be busier. And so I just looked around and didn't see a lot of healthy family lives and models for me of having kids and being successful. And my parents got divorced when I was eight or nine. And I just was not like I was like, I'm not that's not an option for me. I don't want to do that. Family is more important than work. And so early in that my career, I was there for a season and I decided to leave like a dream job um, for family. And I was, what, 25, 26 years old at the time. And so I think about that, like my desire for family, my desire for to be in a, a good relationship with my wife was stronger than my desire to fulfill a boyhood dream, uh, which I could have done. I have no doubt about that. And so, uh, yeah, again, talk about desire is a very strong desire. And sometimes that desire, like so in doing that, like I 
had to leave a, a sure thing for the unknown. And that's scary and risky. And I had to trust that my desire to do the right thing, to, to quit my dream and to find something else that I didn't know was out there. And ultimately that led to staying at the Dodgers, but moving into uh, as a lawyer, even though I didn't was, did, what didn't pl- take the bar, didn't plan on taking the bar, but it just was like following the universe's breadcrumbs. Here's the next thing. The associate attorney is leaving to go to Disney. There's an open spot. It was like it was like perfect. So I I took it. I took the bar. I was getting my spiritual psychology master's. Like it was a lot. And the more you know, we had our, our second kid was on the way, and it was it was a, a very intense time. And then after doing that for a year and a half, it was like this is so soul crushing work. And I saw in the process of doing my master's in spiritual psychology, that there was a thing called coaching where you could just sit and hold for someone and ask them questions and support them and like being courageous and taking action and doing the inner work at the same time, looking at their resistance and their fear to taking action and the lim- you know, their limiting beliefs and their self-judgments and help them heal that through self-forgiveness and showing up for themselves. Holy shit, this is a profession. I want to do that. And yeah, I was like 25, 26. And like, you know, life coaches at 25, 26 don't have a ton of experience, but I just followed that desire and, you know, it worked out. And so this is probably so boring for everybody. But like, that's just the uh, example of desire. Like I can just see the threads of desire there um, throughout my entire life when I do this process. So Jeshua says, in truth, nothing, some, nothing happens without desire. He says, desires that energy which brings forth all waves of creation out of the depth of the ocean itself. And yet who among you has not felt conflicted about desire? Who among you has not been taught that desire is evil? Who among you has not been taught, who has not been taught not to desire to be great? Who among you has not been taught that the desire for material comfort is some sort of blot on the spiritual path? Look well within your soul and see if this is not true. Bam. So that first sentence, desire is that energy which brings forth all waves of creation out of the depth of the ocean itself. That's a reference to the previous sections of this perfect, awesome analogy of love, of of creation, of you as a wave in this ocean of love. That, That the wave isn't separate. Like it's just labels to try and not even understand things, but like they're just labels, wave and ocean. If you think about it, it's the same thing. It's just a, it's just an expression of water in a certain form in a way. It's all water. It's all ocean. So this, this analogy is perfect. He says the desire is the energy that brings forth all waves of creation out of the depth of the ocean itself. So your desires are coming up from the depth of the ocean itself to be expressed, to be to be brought into manifestation as the wave. So as you are the wave of God's love, God had a, an idea, a thought of you and birthed you into existence from the depth of the ocean. And then you have been manifested, but it's not really you as a separate you, you're, you're God expressed as this thing. And so as you have been created in this way, you are made in the image and likeness of your creator. You also create in this way and your desires birth the waves of creation in your own life. Isn't that freaking beautiful and awesome and perfect? And yet, Jeshua says, who among you has not felt conflicted about desire, wanting, 
wanting. Who has not felt a conflict of want? We're not allowed to want more. We're not allowed to want, right? We have to do the the responsibilities. We're not allowed. Who among you has not been taught that desire is evil? Oh, does what you want, that's not a good thing. Or, or physical pleasure desire is evil. Or wanting more money is evil. Like who's not been taught that? We all have. Who among you has not been taught not to desire to be great? Ah, don't get too big for your britches. Don't get great or you'll get knocked down. Like all of these misunderstandings and limiting beliefs to stay small, to not shine. And, we, and we've all been taught that in some way, shape, or form. And not to get too far into it, but uh, there's agendas for people to keep us small and control. It keeps us in fear. It keeps us easy to control. If we're all shining full out, you can't control someone who knows they're sovereign. They couldn't control Jesus. They couldn't control Jeshua. So they had to kill they, you know, they had to kill his body. But even then they couldn't control him. That's the message of the crucifixion. Like, whatever, you can have my body. I'm still alive. I'm still here. Obi-Wan Kenobi, you strike me down. It could be more powerful than you could possibly imagine. You can't control someone who knows who they are. That's that's the the whole thing of it. And if we all st- And this is what this teaching is, as we all stand in and know and claim what we are, our whole experience, the whole world shifts. And it's not about changing the world out there. It's about changing and shifting our experience inside and seeing through the illusions of fear of what we are. So desire is everything is the title of this section and who's not been taught. And this is about deprogramming and unprogramming what we've been taught. Who among you has not been taught not to desire to be great? Who among you has not been taught that the desire for material comfort is some sort of blot on the spiritual path? Poor is pure. Who taught that? The church? The church is one of the wealthiest institutions, if not the wealthiest institution in the world. And I guess I'm talking more about like the the Catholic church, the Vatican, how much land they own, how much money they have. So how hypocritical to say material comfort is a blot on the spiritual path when they have the most material stuff. It's in, it's like when you start to look at it, it's insane and it's backwards and it's just fear-based, control-based nonsense. Who has not been taught that the desire for material comfort is some sort of blot on the spiritual path? What if that wasn't true? What if desire for material comfort is okay? What if desire for money and abundance and wealth is not even okay, but is encouraged? Now, what you do about it is, again, your choice. When When you've manifested material wealth and abundance and comfort, what can you do with it? How can you serve with it? What great works can you do? How much more can you serve if you have more abundance? How much more can you give when you have abundance? You don't have to apologize for your abundance or your material wealth. But so many people are programmed and tried to be guilted into into this way into this state of mind and fall prey to that unfortunately. But this teaching is breaking us free of that. Jeshua says, look well within your soul and see if this is not true, this conflict, the, this, this conflicting information that we've been taught. And he's saying it's not true. So that's three, three chapters in section two of lesson four.
Dang, these are getting longer. I love you guys. I've gotten some feedback that longer is okay. I'm just trying to, and I get feedback that me telling stories about my life and how I've applied these things and how I see these things is helpful. So that's why uh, I'm sharing some of these things. So I appreciate you guys. Love you guys. Shout out to Bria, who uh, is a new a listener, who is my soul sister, who's getting value from this. If you get value from this, shoot us a message. I'll give you a shout out at the end. It's just so wonderful to know that some people are are experiencing the love and some of the freedom in these ideas and these teachings and that we're not alone on it together. So if you're like, oh, I'm never going to email that guy, just email me. I'm I'm. I'm 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 here for you. I'm your buddy. <laughs> uh, Jason at revelationbreathwork.com or hello at revelationbreathwork.com. And if you're getting value, there might be someone else in your world that gets value. If you can like, subscribe, I don't know, give star five stars or whatever the high rating is, and this might show up in other people's worlds. But we do know that if someone has the heartfelt desire to wake up to their Christed nature, to their infinite, loving, eternal, powerful nature, they'll find this podcast if it is a match for them, regardless of how it's rated. So I don't know. People say that at the end of the podcast, so I'm saying that too. (laughs) Uh, Love you guys. All right. Uh, Have an awesome day. We'll see you tomorrow.